Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my asses. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and this is episode 102. And this week's guest is Chuck Stanton, the vocalist and guitarist of the Providence, Rhode Island-based pop-punk band Senior Discount, along with the co-host of the Chuck and Brad podcast. During our interview, we talked about Senior Discount's new album, The Best Revenge, his podcast, working as a filmmaker, his comedy, and how all of those things work together, and how he juggles all those different types of creative outlets. So let's get on to the interview with Chuck Staten of Senior Discount. To quickly, you know, break down your resume, you are, you know, part of the punk band Senior Discount. Uh, you guys yep. just got signed to Paper and Plastic Records. Uh, yep. You also do film work. You do the podcast, mm-hmm. Chuck and Brad podcast. You also do mm-hmm. live comedy. You do all these different things. You know, how do you think, why do you think it's so important to have all these sort of creative outlets? I think that uh, everything that, that I do, it all kind of works together. And I kind of think that, you know, it, it just all makes sense to promote Everything makes sense to promote each other, and even though they seem like really disparate things, they seem very different. Um, to me, they're all part of the same kind of nucleus. Uh, you know, we started the band when I was twenty, and I was in college, and I was going to school for film. When we first got some opportunities to play bigger shows or to, you know, maybe maybe put out an album or whatever it was, I kind of realized that if we wanted to stand out and, and be able to reach more people, we needed to have kind of a 
you know, something different about our personality. And uh, because I had already made videos, like comedy videos, for a long time with my friends growing up, probably starting when I was in like seventh grade, you know, now I was going to uh, film, go to school for film. So I said, maybe we should just do that. Let's just do a fun comedy video to spread the word about our show. This is in 2004. Um, and that became uh, a big part of the band is that we do these comedy shows uh, alongside the, the, you know, music. And that seems common now, I think. Not super common, but at least a little bit common. And uh, but back then it was kind of before YouTube was a huge thing, so it became our calling card, and it became a big part of uh, what we do, and a big pe- reason that people liked us and got to know our personality. These comedy videos made sense. So as time went on, it's like you know the band had this second, you know the band was the band where we played these shows, released these albums and stuff like that. But then we had a second kind of uh, you know personality, a persona. And uh, where we were funny and we had these like basically like they were honestly like episodes of a sitcom. Like when we had a big show, we'd do a 25 minute video with six people in the cast and we'd do multiple storylines about the show to attract people to it. And it's a great way to, uh, you know, get people excited for it. It's almost like the show The Monkees, but it's uh, it's more it's more palpable because the, the show, the the videos you're watching that this band is creating are about a specific event that is coming up. Like one of our videos revolved around the idea that we need to get a letter from a fire marshal because we had started a fire on stage. That was fictional, but we said start a fire on stage. We need to get a letter from a fire marshal to play the show. The show was already booked. The show was happening. And so that way the show became the focal point of the video. So when you tune in to watch the video and it's funny, you just keep getting that plug for that show over and over again and everything's leading up to it and you feel almost like invested so that comedy stuff is kind of where I really started getting into comedy that the filmed comedy and that made sense with the band and it was the same thing in 2009 when you know we're a regional band we can't play the same places all the time we'll oversaturate the market so I said you know I want people to pay attention to senior discount that's the name of the band uh, I want them to come back and pay attention to what we're doing, but we can't play all the time in the same places. So how about this? Let's make something for our website where people can keep coming back week after week to see what we're up to. How about a podcast? And my friend Brad, who was actually also one of the writers of the videos, uh, he doesn't he has an improv group. So I said, let's talk about the band. We'll talk about the behind the scenes of the improv group and the band and shows coming up. We can interview other bands. We can interview uh, comedians from the area. And... Uh, it made total sense um, to just do that podcast. So as time went on and as the videos grew and the comedy grew and the band grew and the podcast grew, it's funny because to me, they all just started as like the same thing, an extension of the same thing. But now they've all grown so much that it's a little bit different where the film has gone from just the band recording like funny shows to like me filming with the guys from uh, comic book men and impractical jokers and working on their projects. And, uh, you know, now we do live comedy uh, alongside the podcast as well. So I'm doing live comedy shows. So now it seems like, you know, three or four big different things. Um, and it's weird because to me, it all started from the same place. And I, fe- I feel like it's still all connected in the same way. Like whenever you see, tell them Steve, Dave. Yeah. So, so uh, comic book, the guys from comic book men and Impractical jokers do a podcast together called tell them Steve, Dave, and I work on all their film projects. Whenever you see those film projects, if you listen to the music in the background, it's always going to be Senior Discounts music. And even at our at our live shows for our uh, for our podcast or our comedy shows, it's Senior Discount is kind of a part of it. It's part of the marketing, and 
it's just a really interesting world um, where everything has been kind of moving forward, luckily. And uh, it does seem very weird. I actually, it's, it's really weird. I, I actually do other stuff, too. I'm a food writer for two magazines in Providence, which is really, <laughs> and that also came from the band. That also came from me. You know, we won an award at a, an award show uh, for Motif Magazine. And the owner of Motif talked to me afterwards because he knew I did the podcast. He's like, hey, have you ever thought about writing? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'd love to write. I like writing. And uh, they hired me. And then Providence Monthly was reading my articles, I guess, in Motif. And they contacted me and said, hey, we're looking for another writer. Would you like to write for us as well? So now I'm a <laughs> mainly a food journalist, honestly. Uh, I also cover music and film, but there's that. I mean, I work with a great organization in Rhode Island called uh, R.I. Food Fights, which is also about the food scene here, which is the food scene in Providence is like eclectic and awesome. And uh, I'm a spokesperson for them and I do their film work as well. But to me, it's still all built in. I know that sounds like a lot of weird stuff that's getting pulled in different directions, but it's all built into me. How do you feel like that doing all this other stuff, the the writing, the film work, the podcast, how Mm -hmm. did that affect like the band itself and if instead of like just being the band senior discount and not doing any of that stuff well here's what's interesting and there you know it's funny because there there's there's negative stuff too behind the scenes that you know there's not like a a spotlight on because it's not as fun and the negative side of things is that we do everything independently and if you're if you're smart you know you're not going to play the same market all the time so let's say you know we're in providence rhode island and we could play Boston and we can play Connecticut. Well, the truth is we can't break into Boston. Boston is, is uh, there's a monopoly on all the venues in Boston um, by one company that has, has never responded to any of my emails. So the truth is there's not a lot of work for the band to do all the time in terms of shows. You know, I'm an independent entity that we're, that we're booking ourselves. We don't have a booking agent of any kind. So the truth is like in 2017, you know, the band probably played two shows that year. We've played a lot more since then. But that year, it's just it's just a thing where it's very hard to get good shows. You know, most of the shows don't pay. A lot of the shows, you know, they'll be far away and there's not a lot of promotion behind them. And there's not a lot of people at the shows. So we've tried to basically scale back our playing to make it for shows that are worth it. But because of that, there's less to do. There's less shows to play. We could play every weekend if we wanted to play to nobody and get paid nothing. But we don't want to do that anymore. We did that for a long time. And now we want to reserve it uh, for good shows that are worth it. But that means that we're going to play rarely. Even now, like I wish we played more shows. You know, our album release was July 13th. We had an amazing show in Providence. You know, the, the capacity for the venue was like 1,200 people. And we pushed it. We, we sold out. Had to push it. That weekend, we played Warp Tour. Last weekend, we played the Mighty Mighty Boston's Cranking and Skanking Festival with the Bouncing Souls and the Boston's and everybody. And uh, we'll be playing uh, with Big D and the Kids Table in Connecticut. But like that's that's four shows in the in the two months following our album release, which is I really wish we were playing all the time. Um, So the thing is, I guess what I'm saying is if I did if we did put all that time into discount during that time, I still think we'd be paralyzed with booking and shows, you know. We'd still be saying, man, I wish we had a good show or we'd be putting our efforts into playing a show that is not going to be great. So it's hard. If we had good opportunities, I would put more uh, time and and dedicate more time to the band and and kind of pursuing that stuff. But for years now, 
the ability to book good shows has gone down and down and down. And I'm basically like desperate for a good booking agent. I'm desperate to get into that world of finding someone who will who will take care of it for us. But so far, I have not found uh, that link. And I spent a lot of time this year hunting down uh, booking agents and contacts. And, you know, people are very polite, but they're like, oh, we're full. We're full. We have a full roster. We don't have we can't take anyone else on, blah, blah, blah. And uh, as long as that's the case, you know, we're going to be playing very few shows here and there. So if you'd think that it's a one to one ratio where if you put more effort in, you'd be, uh, you know, doing more stuff. But the truth is that, like, we just can't break into uh, we just can't break into a lot of these markets and we can't book these shows. Um, And we've been trying for years, years and years and years, a long time for a long time. The band was like my main thing. And uh, it it was just uh, too difficult, too difficult to just either play terrible shows or you know face the rejection all the time so now you know i reach out for every show that i that i think we should be on but the amount of times that works on that works out has got to be like one or two percent of the time between sort of scaling back what shows that you want to do and then all those obstacles that you just talked about how do you sort of keep uh that sort of drive to keep the band going and to record new material and to put out new albums yeah that's a it's it's a hard it's really difficult um, it's weird because the short version of that answer is because I love to do, I love to play music and I love to write music. Um, but it's, there's also like this world where, you know, you, uh, you grow up and there's a certain amount of time that is create that you spend that is creative and a certain amount of time that you spend that is for work. So as much as, uh, I wanted the band to become like my work and become, you know, a career you know, musician playing shows with the band. Um, at some point when I, you know, I, I honestly, it was, it was, it was natural where I was like going in all these d- different directions and doing film and doing comedy and doing the podcasting and writing and stuff like that. But I realized like, you know, we've reached out for all these shows. We, we can't move forward with these shows. We can't get a booking agent. Maybe that'll change still. And, and you know, honestly, things have changed a lot for us in the past couple months because of the signing, because it just gives you a different level of legitimacy, I guess. But, um, I think it became a thing where I'm like, you know what? If we have a if we have a band that have played that has played hundreds of shows, hundreds of huge shows with a lot of my heroes, we've played with a lot of bands that I love. Uh, we've written a lot of songs that I'm proud of. We performed, you know, we have all these recorded performances that I'm so proud that we were able to do. I, I always kind of realize I'm like, if that becomes a thing where the band becomes my becomes 10% of my creative life or 15% of my creative life, and we play a handful of shows a year and it's very fun and people have a good time and people look forward to them. I think that's okay. And I think that that's kind of how I looked at it where it became a thing where if we're just gonna play a few shows here and there and just really kill it with those shows, let's just keep doing that. And plus, you know, and again, like I said, I love it. I do love to play music and I do love to, uh, to write music and practice with my friends. The truth is honestly, if, if, if the band was like, Hey, we're going to practice every week at Wednesday at 7 PM and not play any shows. Like I wouldn't be psyched about not playing shows, but just practicing together and writing together and doing that is, is really fun. And, and kind of, as I realized over the years, an important part of me being happy is that bonding time. Honestly, to the point where like, I was like, we should plug in our microphones and practice to my zoom h6 my my podcast recording equipment and we should record every practice and put it out as a podcast because like we'll play a song and then we'll bullshit for 10 minutes then we'll play a song we'll bullshit for 10 minutes you know what i mean and so i'm like we'll be the first band to have done that because you know a band's going to do that eventually 
You know, if if a, if a bigger if 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 Blink One Eighty Two said, "Hey, we're going to do a podcast uh, leading up to this tour," and you know what? If they this is what they should do. I'm, this is my marketing advice for Blink One Eighty Two. Next time they do a, a like a month long tour, they should record their practices for the you know however long beforehand, and they should take however many episodes they got out of it for like podcasts and stuff they say in between, and they should space them out in the tour and release them. So it would be like the Blink One Eighty Two practice podcast, and then. People would just get to hear what they say kind of to each other behind the scenes at, pra- at practice. And it'd be so fun. I'd love to do that. Um, but yeah, so so it's important to me, I think. I think that the idea of uh, writing music is important to me. And it's funny, too, because it, it really has to do with all the other stuff. Like, I think about the fact, so on Monday, you know, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, um, or I'm outside of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, on Monday, Brad and I, Brad is my podcast partner. We do the Chuck and Brad podcast. We drove to New Hampshire to the lead singer, uh, Dave, David McWain, from Big D and the Kids Table. We drove to his house in New Hampshire, and we sat down for two hours, and we did this great podcast with him leading up to our show with Big D and the Kids Table in Connecticut. And so that show opportunity that we're playing with the band kind of uh, you know, facilitated this awesome podcast. It was a great podcast. He was so honest. It was you know two hours long of him talking about the rise of Big D and the Kids Table over the past 20 years. It was an amazing episode. So I still feel like you know, with the band even playing small shows or shows here and there or whatever, it still facilitates cool stuff like that. And I, like I said, I use Senior Discount Music in every video that I, that I edit that needs music. I use Senior Discount. And I've created that. And just from a just from an editing standpoint, it's easy to be like, oof, I don't have to pay for this music. I just use the music I wrote. Uh, so that even helps that, you know? When when you're thinking about when um you were just talking about how you you know, you got to this point where you'd be happy just to sort of play four or five good shows a day uh, a year and right. you sort of have this you know, idea of that you would be fine with this sort of level of where the band goes, even though, you know, I, I, you know, you, everybody wants to be super successful with their band. How are you able to sort of reconcile that in your mind to that? Like, okay, if we only get to this level, that will be cool. Well, basically the thing is that you got to realize is as time goes on, one of the things that has been the hardest for me is, uh, dealing with people who I thought were either great artists or, uh, you know, great bandmates, great writers, whatever, um, who just didn't have the work ethic inside them. Um, and it's interesting because I think that, you know, uh, man, I don't want to sound, uh, basically what I was going to say is like, I'm lucky that I have all these different passions that I really believe in. So if someone said, Hey, the band's going to get picked up and you guys are going to tour with Rancid and Less Than Jake and Blink-182 and that's going to be the majority of your creative time. I'd be like, oh, that's amazing. And if someone said, hey, you're going to get picked up as a writer for Impractical Jokers and you're going to move to New York and work with Impractical Jokers and tell them Steve Dave all the time on video stuff, I'd be like, oh, that's amazing. And if someone someone said, hey, your podcast is going to get picked up by the Smodcast Network and you guys are going to podcast all the time and do live shows uh, for your podcast, I'd be like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm into all those ideas. So at some point, if you like all that stuff that much and you really care about it, you got to realize that some of the stuff has got to take a backseat most of the time. And the fact that the band is the most reliant on other people who may be much lazier than I am, <laughs> it, it, uh, it kind of, 
it makes you deal with that. It's, it's something I've been dealing with for a long time. It, it's honestly something that probably did bother me more in like 2000, 2008 to 2011 because I was dealing with these other band members who were great talents but just did not have the drive or the ability to put in the work. And those are the people that I really, really feel bad for because there are people out there with great minds who are really fun musicians, who are really funny, who have great talent, and they just don't know how to do the creative work behind the scenes. And those are the people that end up, you know, just kind of falling away from the stuff that they love and getting a, you know, a desk job and they just kind of give up. Um, but because I realize that most people are like that and it's going to be hard to find someone who falls outside of that and, you know, much less four people from my band, um, I kind of reconciled that a while ago that like, I think to, to succeed, you know, it's hard because if you see these bands out there that are like, I'm not going to name any names, but if you see bands out there and they're selling out 2000 capacity venues across the United States, probably those guys in that band still need to have jobs outside the band, even at that level of popularity, selling out 2000 cap venues across the country. So I think that even the people who you believe like like there's the top 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 people like you know like Blink-182, Green Day, Foo Fighters, stuff like that that are obviously career musicians but I think even the people that sell out like 2000 cap venues all the time which is huge even those people aren't successful enough to just do the band and that's a scary thing to me too um so all that stuff kind of kind of plays into it where I think the idea of uh, starting a band and getting a creative entity entity that's going to, you know, be a uh, pay for a career for four different people is going to be super rare. Um, and getting the group of people who are going to be, you know, able to put in the work to do that is going to be super, super, super rare. So to me, it became a thing where I understand that if it's just a part of my life and not the main thing in my life, that's okay, and I'm lucky to have all the other creative stuff that I love just as much. You know what I mean? Plus, I do feel like, you know, in comedy, in something like comedy or film, you can do your own thing, and uh, if it's good, I think that it's good, and that's kind of how people react. In music, there's this weird second level where, like, trends and fads and what's popular in the moment has a lot to do with, you know... um what goes on like what gets what gets big and what gets a uh, response you know what i mean it's like if you know we play this pop punk music that really had its heyday in like i'd say 98 to 2005 with like you know we're, we're kind of paired up with like green day blink 182 you know less than jake rancid all those bands and the bands that got huge at that time obviously can still tour all the time and do it but there's not a lot of bands that sound like us anymore coming up because it's not the popular thing there's a lot more hardcore and pop punk now there's a lot more breakdowns so like that's something that i don't like about music is like the idea of like oh trends are going to dictate what happens where if you're a great band that's in this genre you might not do as well as a shitty band that's in a that's in a genre that's more popular right now like that's a bum out you know what i mean so it's difficult. Yeah, when we were first talking, I was uh, commending you on the email that you sent me, the pitch email, and I was like, yeah, yeah. there was so much, it was, it was breaking down so perfectly, and like, how important is it to sort of, when you're, when you're doing everything that you do, 
to present yourself in that sort of way to get, you know, things across or get partnerships going? How important is it to present yourself that way? Oh, it's it's to me, it's it's been the key to moving forward. And it's funny because I really this is this is how I've been putting it to people. Um, I realized that with the resume of stuff that we've accomplished and this and the way that I'm able to kind of succinctly present it to people and come off as uh, interesting or worth the time. Um, I basically realized earlier this year that I'm Neo in the Matrix and the whole Matrix is the world of connecting to press outlets and other people and the next step and different creative people. Um, because there's just like an unlimited amount of people to reach out to and people to incorporate and people to work with and yeah i think it's it, i think it's essential to moving forward is kind of finding those connections and really building them um and the po- you know the podcast honestly has been kind of the big cheat to uh to do that where you know we have this podcast we do every week and if i invite someone on the podcast we basically are friends by the end of the two hours you know what i mean that's that's historically been what's happened uh we've done 376 episodes and you know, there are people who I've never met who I just had in the podcast and now they're like friends of mine uh, just from that. And I think if you can convince someone, if, if I can convince someone to come on my podcast, essentially they're like part of my group afterwards <laughs> and they're and they're part of the team to me. Um, and yeah, it's been great because like RI Food Fights, you know, the company I work for that does all the food stuff in Rhode Island, that was a huge one. That was where, you know, we had the owner on and I we had never met him before and now I work with him all the time. I'm one of the main people in the company. Even the uh, the uh, the managing editor of Providence Monthly, like before they contacted me to write for them, I had the head uh, on onto the podcast, and we just kind of became friends through that. So I think that, that those kind of uh, relationships are essential. It's weird because I kind of wish I was doing this a long time ago. I've had this viewpoint all these years of like, well, I want to write this song, we want to play this show, I want to do this short film, I want to do this podcast, I want to do this comedy thing, and I always was just pushing forward with my own stuff. And doing it in my own way with my own reach. And then I kind of realized, oh, like if I do this with other people who have different reaches and different fan bases and, and you know, d- they get to different people and, ex- and are exposed to different people, then all my stuff is going to expand. And that's kind of what's happened. Um, you know, it's a very real possibility that if the Impractical Jokers hire more writers this year, that we're g- that I'm going to move uh, to write for the Impractical Jokers. Um hopefully Brad too. Um, and that never would have happened if I hadn't started my relationship with tell him Steve, Dave, and eventually push through to the impractical jokers writers, excuse me, where I, uh, you know, sorry, I guess something in my throat. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, like, you know, that was a huge thing where like we did this live show, we did this, uh, live comedy show in Providence, Brad and I, and we did this bit that was very experimental. It was very funny. And I was like, man, this is great. And I just reached out cold to the writers of Impractical Jokers and said, hey, we did this bit. We'd love to come work on the show. Now, that's weird. No one does that. No one says, hey, I made this independent thing. Let me make a video that's targeted towards a group of people to say, I want to come work with you. But they loved it and they responded to it and they talked to us and they invited us to submit to write for last season just from that. And every one of my step forwards has been myself or me and Brad or myself and my band accomplishing something here independently and getting it out there to somebody who has more influence or more of a an audience and saying we did this thing on our own 
can you help us? Can we be part of what you do? That's how we got signed to Paper and Plastic Records. You know, we reached out to Vinny from Less Than Jake, who owns it, and I gave him our resume of stuff we did, our music, and what we wanted to do, and he signed us. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's but it, it I think it's essential for any creative person to reach out to people in their field that they look up to. Instead of having people that you're like, oh, that guy's great. I want to do stuff like him. Reach out to that person, that man or woman, and say, hey, I want to work with you. That's what you should be doing. And I, I wish I'd been doing that for, you know, I started doing that 10 years ago. I just kind of started doing it like two years ago. Um, but that's going to be, that's always going to be a big help. Even if they say no, even if they say no, but now they've heard of you and now they've seen some of your work, then you get to reach out again when you do something better. You know, um, I think it's essential. To extend on what you said, if anybody who is listening to this uh, podcast right now, what sort of actionable advice would you give them in regards to, you know, reaching out to these people, networking, connecting these dots? Um, I'd say just always do it. Um, it's funny because basically you can, as an independent entity, whether you're a comedian or a filmmaker or a band or a podcast, whatever, you get to control what you do in your world, in your little independent world. And what I say is, do what you do, hone your thing, hone your craft, hone your project, make it great, get as successful as you can independently, and then say, well, who's doing this on a bigger level? Who's doing something similar on a, on a bigger stage? And get to that person. Get to that person and say, you know, figure out how to write a great uh, bio for yourself. Figure out how to write a great resume. Get over the idea of being... Um, kind of. I how can I how can I put this? Get get stop. Don't be uh timid. Don't be weird about reaching out. Be happy to reach out. Be honest about your feelings. Be you know proud of your work. Don't feel scared to to continue to reach out if you don't get an answer. Um, and get to those people and say, hey, I'd love to work with you. If there's anything we can do, that'd be great. And you know what? Even further than that, that's that's fine if you say that come up with something you can do together because that's going to be the best way to get in. Say, hey, I want to do this thing for you. I want to do this thing with you. I want to work with you in some way. But get your project to a point where you're very proud of it and you think that anyone should be proud of it and then get it to the people you look up to in that field. Yeah, you kind of talked about the do's of uh, reaching out to people, but what are some of the don'ts? Um, I think, well, you know what? I think that the don'ts are... You know, the don'ts are probably uh, don't come off as an idiot. Uh, make sure that you're spelling stuff right. Make sure that you have a, an email that's easy to read and make sure you come off as intriguing. See, like you're one of the people I reached out to for press. You were intrigued by my email, right? You were like, what the you're like, this guy has his own band has been signed. He works with these two TV shows like he does. It, it's 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 a bizarre set of things. So figure out what your angle is. And, and surprise people with it. It's going to be difficult if you're like, hey, man, uh, you know, we, 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 got a, we got a punk band from this city. Like, check out our music. That's not going to get anyone to listen to you. Find whatever your hook is. Focus on it. Be personable. Have a personality. And I guess, you know, like I said, be professional when you write. Uh, don't come off as stupid. Um, and don't be scared to continue to reach out. But you know what? That That's kind of where the don'ts come in is you got to figure out how to reach out. When I reach out to people, I might send an email that you know has more words in it than most people would send. But when I reach out again, when I follow up to that email, if I haven't heard back, 
I try to make it very succinct, very, very small. It might say something like, hey, man, uh, you know, I know that sometimes emails slip through the cracks. Just wanted to uh, to check back in on this. Thanks. And that's it. That's all I want to say because I don't want the person to, you know, feel bombarded. And sometimes the person is at a point in time where they're too busy to deal with a new person. Maybe they don't feel like it. Maybe they're not interested in you for whatever reason. That's fine. You have to, you have to eventually... You know, let it go. You can give two follow-ups, I'd say. You know, send someone an email, wait a week, send another email, wait a week, send a final email. Um, and uh, if they're too busy at that point in time, that's fine. That's the, I'd say the don'ts are continuing to reach out maybe past that right away about the same thing. Um, but yeah, the don'ts, I think, are don't come off as unprofessional. Don't reach out more than four times about the same thing if you haven't heard uh, anything back. Um and don't come off as just another blank. We're just another band, just another comedian, just another filmmaker. Find something that's your hook. And, uh, and, and you know what? Don't reach out without presentation, without proof that you can, you know, without proof that you're good enough to do what, they, what, what you're tr- looking for. Like if you're a band looking to get signed, make sure they get the, a great song from you. Don't send them a shitty basement demo. Um, if you're looking to do some film work, make sure you have some great film work to back it up that you can send with it. So those are my don'ts. Don't be unprofessional. Don't reach out more than three times for the same thing. And uh, don't reach out without representation or without a personality. Yeah, recently, you were, um, yeah, just a little bit ago, you were talking about how you got signed to Paper and Plastic Records that's owned by Vinny from Less Than Jake. Uh, you guys just put out a uh, new album, The Best Revenge. You know, How's been your yeah. experience working with Vinny with that label with putting out this album? Uh, Vinny's been awesome. It's crazy. He's he, I can't believe how busy he is. You know, he's an example of someone who is in a extremely successful band. We've been talking to him since March, and like, he has been touring other countries during that time. And uh, he also owns a tattoo shop in Gainesville. He's been doing. I think he's been doing um like online, like going to school online as he's been on tour with Less Than Jake, and he's running this label. So. He's a perfect example of one of those dudes who's just like killing it and has a life outside the band um, of responsibilities. But um, it's it's been really nice. He's been great. Uh, he has been super busy. I've been very I've been trying to be like patient and considerate with his time because I know that he's been really busy. But they he really has been very very helpful to us. He's the one who picked our single and our single has been doing super well, way, way better than I ever could have expected it to do. Um, and he's been, uh, very, very nice and helpful to us. Uh, I hope we work with him more cause we really haven't worked with him that much yet. You know, I mean, we've talked a lot on, uh, through email and he's given us some advice and he's obviously, he's the one that took care of putting out the album and, and all the stuff and commenting on the artwork and doing those little things. Um, but I hope to work with him more. He just wrote me two days ago and he's like, Hey, he's like, I want to come on your podcast. I think, I think he, he might've heard me on Mike Herrera from MXPX podcast. Um, and I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, are you going to be in the, you know, in the New England area at some point? Because I'd love to do it in person. But uh, I'd love to work with him more. He's been super, super helpful. Is there anything you've learned from Vinny uh, since, you know, you've uh, gone to this partnership? Um, I mean, I, the one thing that really surprised me that I kind of figured out was the idea that he is just doing so much stuff. Like the fact that he owns a tattoo shop and a label and he's in Less Than Jake and he does his own artwork all the time. And he was getting his degree. And he has a family. Um, it kind of just solidified like, oh, I'm right about the way people are going to live when they're creatives. And they're going to have all these different, uh, 
you know, things that they do that really diversify kind of how they spend their time and where they put their eggs, if you know what I mean. Um, and uh, so that that's kind of been a, a good, uh, you know, it's been a good confirmation of how I think things are going to go for successful creative people. You also do the Chuck and uh, Brad podcast. Talk about, you know, yep. what that podcast is about. So the Chuck and Brad podcast is, uh, I love it. It's like, it's like my soul being recorded every week. It's really funny because, you know, we started it to promote my band and to promote Brad's improv group. Um, and we do, you know, at the beginning of every show, we put, we plug all our shows and our projects. Um, uh, but, uh, it's really funny because we sometimes we'll have people on like right as as we're talking like I just posted our episode with uh, the lead singer of Big D and the Kids Table and we've had on like Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, well, Chris from Less Than Jake, uh, Bowling for Soup, uh, Jeff Tremaine, the director of the Jackass movies, which was amazing. Um, a lot of great people, and those that makes up I'd say maybe like twenty percent of the podcast are those really fun interviews. But really, the podcast is about Brad and I sitting down and talking about our feelings uh, about art, about popular art. So it could be like the new Avengers movie. It could be the new Against Me album, whatever. Um, talking about making art. So it could be like, you know, the, the band's new album or a video that Brad and I made um, or an experience. Like we played uh, we played a show with mashup DJ Girl Talk, who has been really nice to us Um and it was the biggest show we ever played. He added us to a sold-out show at the House of Blues in Boston. So it was 3,500 people, which is the biggest crowd we've played in front of. And, um, you know, we told the whole story of that show with the band on it. And, uh, you know, we uh, we talked about the idea that they made dinner for us. And they gave us this great salmon. And I ate, like, a pound of salmon before I set, which was a big mistake. But <laughs> the podcast... So the podcast is really about the life of independent artists um you know as we as we move forward and hopefully progress but also like you know the independent artists uh looking at all the successful art and kind of how we feel about it so i feel like we're doing something very fun and uh on top of that it's kind of about you know these two men i guess me and brett um growing up because the podcast started when i was i guess 24 and I just turned 34 this year. So it has, it goes through like my relationships. I, I was in a long-term relationship that, you know, we broke up eventually and we, we talked about that very in depth. I had a house fire when my house burned down and that was a big part of the podcast. All the stuff that Brad has gone through, he's gone from, you know, Brad's, Brad's 40 now for the love of God. And, uh, so he's gone from 30 to 40 on the podcast. Um, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So it's this diary of going, of growing up and, and losing people and losing things and going through difficult times and going through great times. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like our journal, the journals of our lives are just out there and recorded. And we're interacting with like the director of the Jackass movie sometimes. And sometimes the lead singer of bands that we love and stuff like that. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but that's really what it's about. You're basically, when you tune in, you're going to hear us talking about what's going on in our lives and a lot of a lot about the big pop culture stuff that we love uh whether it's you know every year on Halloween we do uh <laughs> we do a thing where we watch an entire like horror movie series like Friday the 13th and then we get a third person to come on the podcast that's never seen it and we tell them the whole story from our point of view which is always so funny because when you put all that stuff together it be, it becomes so much more illogical you know what i mean you're like 
And then Mike Myers' niece, I guess, was becoming evil. I don't know. She stabbed someone. Um, and uh, it's really, really funny. But uh, so it's a lot of fun stuff like that. So we talk. It's a lot of pop culture stuff, a lot of personal stuff, a lot of music and, and film stuff, honestly, and then interviews here and there. But we might open the podcast and fight for 15 minutes about something that happened. He might be like... We were supposed to leave for the comedy show at 7.45, and we didn't leave until 7.53. And I'm like, I had to do my hair. This is the first time this audience is seeing me. You know what I mean? Like, we we, we often fight on the podcast, so it's really, really, really funny. But, uh, yeah, it's really about, like, two best friends talking about pop culture from the viewpoint of them as independent artists. How important has it been to sort of have that... Uh that creative outlet on this podcast to tell like this diary of your life and how important do you feel like the podcast format is just in general i love the podcast format and it's funny because there's a lot of different podcasts out there that are great you know mark maron um he probably you know wtf with mark maron is probably my favorite podcast um because i think he does the most thoughtful interviews and the most most in-depth interviews uh I love Kevin Smith's Modcast, which is really way more about two best friends who are funny, um, or you know Kevin Smith and whoever he has on, which would be which would be someone who's his friend, um, that, like this funny relationship that's back and forth. And then you know, I guess honestly, I'll say Mark Maron is probably my favorite journalistic podcast. Tell him Steve Dave, which is the, the guys I work with. That's my favorite podcast because that is legitimately 100% three friends talking about whatever they want and arguing. And I that's that's my favorite version of podcasting is when you listen to a show and you get into the hosts and you just love their tone and you love their personas and you love the way they interact. And when you're driving around, it feels like you're with your friends. That's, that's my favorite kind of podcast. That's the podcast that I, I hope that we achieve with the Chuck and Brad podcast. Um, and we aim it a little bit more towards pop culture and, and new movies and new music and stuff like that and the stuff that we're doing. Um, that's my favorite one. But everyone can do a very different type of podcast. That's what I love about it. It's it's like the best medium in the world to communicate with people, whether it's you and your funny personality or you trying to talk about uh, a project like our album like in depth or you trying to connect with somebody. or it's It's the best thing in the world. I love podcasting so much and I love that there's so much freedom with it. Who are some of your dream guests that you would love to have on your podcast? Ooh, okay, ready? Uh, Mark Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 is up there. Mick Foley, the wrestler. He, he was Mankind in Cactus Jack. Oh, he's the best. Kevin Smith is definitely up there because I've always wanted to talk to him about film stuff. I actually did get to talk to him about film stuff because I went and filmed at Vulgarthon, his film festival recently, um, for Tell Him Steve Dave. And so I did talk to him, and it was great, but... Uh, sitting down with him would be awesome and having a real long conversation. Um, let me think. Man, Mark Hoppus, Mick Foley, Kevin Smith. You know, I would love... It's weird because then there's there's like specific projects. Like I'd love to talk to Gerard Way from My Chemical Ram- Romance about the album uh, The Black Parade. I'd love to talk about the entire production of that album because it's, it's such an astounding, awesome thing. Um, I would love to talk to Chuck Palahniuk, the writer. He wrote uh, Fight Club and stuff like that. Those are some great ones. I'd love to talk to Johnny Knoxville because I really believe in Jackass as a real piece of like folk art, uh, an independent folk art that just happens to be unbelievably popular. And talking to Jeff Tremaine was awesome. Um, 
And it's weird too because like I'm kind of you know, do you guys you guys this this podcast is uncensored is that right? All right, so I'm kind of a pussy when it comes to journalism. Like, I'm a feel good, happy, snark free guy when it comes to journalism. I want to be like, I went to this new restaurant. It was so awesome. We watched this movie. It was so great. You know, that's how I am. I don't want to really shine a light on negative things. So I'm not. I'm probably not going to sit down with someone and say, Hey, uh, you know. You know, I want to talk about this difficult time or this hard, this hard time. Or I want to challenge this thing that you said or something like that. I'm not really like that. Um, sometimes I wish I was because I think that that's part of journalism, but I'm just not really interested in making people feel uncomfortable. But if I was, right, 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 it's difficult, man. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to make anyone feel bad. So if I was, if I was more into that, I think that really getting into the behind the scenes of different things would be awesome. I'd love to interview Aaron from Real Big Fish. We had Johnny and Matt on from Real Big Fish last year. I'd love to interview Aaron. John Feldman from Goldfinger would be a big one. Um, yeah, it's it, there's a there's a lot of people, but I, I'm hope I'm hoping we get to him. I think we can get Mick Foley. I bet we could definitely get Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley would be I think you you could get him. Yeah, he's he he tours and he comes around Massachusetts once in a while stuff like that. So, I'm, you know, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. You also do a live comedy. Talk about that. Well, see, this is this is a really interesting uh, thing because this is kind of something I really love and then I hope becomes um, um, something that becomes a bigger part of my life. Uh, so we did the podcast and we started saying like, oh, let's do a live podcast, you know, in front of an audience. But I didn't want to do a thing where we just do this, where we just do the same kind of thing where we talk about you know, whatever the current, you know, pop culture stuff is and go on stage and just kind of riff and joke in front of the audience. I was like, if we do this up, you know, if we do the podcast every week for free and we're going to have people pay to come see us, let's, uh, let's do something different and do something that's a little bit more, um, like a live event, you know? And so what we did was we came up with different segments and I think our first podcast had, we did this thing where I, I had taken a picture of Brad um, who is my, you know, my buddy of the podcast, uh, he was holding a Christmas cookie and I had made a hundred Christmas cards with that on it that said, Merry Christmas from Brad. And I sent them to a hundred random people across the United States of America with all these different funny things that I wrote and included an email address that people could write back. And, uh, I, we, uh, live on stage, I, you know, we presented that prank, um, that I did with all the funny messages I wrote and all the stuff that I, was written back to me. And, you know, it was written like stuff like, uh, we, we sent it to someone, you know, in Iowa and I wrote, Hey, like Jim, I'm so glad I finally found your address. Uh, I'm sending the cat. It should come tomorrow. Don't forget. It needs its medicine at the right time. Don't try to contact me. And so, you know, you get someone in Iowa kind of freaking out that this cat is coming in the mail the next day. But, uh, that kind of prank, that kind of alternative comedy became kind of like part of what we do live with the live podcast. And as we move forward, we did a couple live podcasts and they were successful. But I realized that saying to someone, hey, we're going to do a live podcast. You should come see it. Everyone is like, OK, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a live podcast is. And that makes sense because podcasting is such an open medium that you're not really sure what you know different people are going to bring to the table. So we started changing instead of branding it as a live podcast. We get this comedy club, this awesome historic comedy club called the Comedy Connection in East Providence um, to let us headline there. And we were like, you know, give us this opportunity to headline and we'll bring people in. 
and they did they took a chance and we did bring a lot of people in. it was great uh we've done it like four times in the past year now we've headlined there um but what it'll be is it'll be weird segments like that so prank stuff is part of it we also do a bit where <laughs> we around halloween we do a thing called rejected halloween costumes where we present these like terrible pun Halloween costumes of combining two things. Like one of them that we came up with was Lindsay Lohan solo. And, uh, and we have this guy we know named Ray Harrington, who is a, who's a very legitimate standup comedian. He has a documentary on Hulu. Like, you know, he's, he's, he tours the country. He's great. And he fucking hates our puns. So it's me and Brad on stage and him, and we present our puns to him and he just hates them the whole time. It's so funny. Ah, man, I love it. But, uh, you know, we do that. Um, and one of the things we do now that I think is like the key, one of, one of the the best things that we do in terms of getting out to new people is we do a segment called Bradley Draws. Bradley Drawn. And uh, Brad is a terrible, terrible artist. So what we'll do is like when Jurassic World 2 came out this summer, we took the original Jurassic Park movie and Brad redrew every scene from the movie and we do a live narration uh, with his drawings in front of an audience where I rewrite the movie to be based on his drawings and to include like personal stuff about him and then he has to read it live in front of an audience. And we've headlined with that bit a couple times. We did The Avengers, we did Jurassic Park and we did do How the Grinch Stole Christmas at our Christmas show too and it brings the house down. The, draw the drawings are like stomach turningly terrible and it's hilarious. People love it. It's so funny. How has uh, been being in a band helped the comedy and vice versa? How has the, how has doing comedy helped being in a band? Well, it's interesting, you know, in, in 2018, I think that like basically having a public persona, people have just realized that people, that everyone's just, you know, if they know you and they like what you do, they'll kind of support you. You know, if, if there's a celebrity that you like and it was like, Hey, this celebrity is coming to this thing and they're going to do a live show. If you like that person, even if you don't understand what it's going to be live, you'll be like, Oh, I'll go check it out and see what it's about. Um, and I realize that that's kind of the same situation with us on a, on a more independent level where, if we have all this, you know, all these people that know about Senior Discount and we get a bunch of press for the Senior Discount and people have heard our names and they see my face and they know who I am. Then when I say, hey, we're going to headline the Comedy Connection and do this crazy thing, people who like the band and maybe have even seen the band and seen us be kind of funny on stage with the band, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy's really funny. I'll go check that out. So I think all this stuff works together and it just it just helps it. Plus, like we live in a world with like comic cons and pop culture conventions and people are, are paying to see people that they like just talk you know what i mean brad and i actually moderate panels at comic conventions now and so this year we moderated for uh john sheck who plays um is it lobo damn i feel so i feel so bad that i forget who this is uh no jonah hex who he plays jonah hex in the dc tv shows and so people are coming to this panel just to see this actor that they like. He was also in uh, That Thing You Do. They just want to hear him talk about his life. So I think that any type of notoriety or you know a small version of fame or, or being known will make people more interested in what you're doing as opposed to like if they see on you know a co uh, the website for the Comedy Connection, hey, you know Jim Peters is coming. And they're like, I don't know who that is. And they're like, Chuck Staten from Senior Discount is going to be performing. And they're like, oh, I like Senior Discount. And I've seen them and they're pretty funny. I'll go to that. I think you have a lot better chance of bringing people in if they know you, no matter what it's from. With everything that you do, you have the, the band, you do a lot of things that are around comedy. 
how you how how are you able to sort of balance everything that you do and sort of kind of keep that mental health in line in your personal life honestly it's very difficult and i've been doing a bad job at it um it's been this this summer has been really weird just in terms of uh the amount of work like you know i'm leaving you know i went to new hampshire on monday i went to mansfield on uh massachusetts on tuesday um and on this coming tuesday i'm going to be going to jersey for three days to film with tell them steve dave um and it's really, really difficult. Uh, it's difficult because it's just the workload is really is really hard that I kind of want to live up to. Where I'm like, this is how much press we should do, and this is how hard I should work on this, and this is the level of quality this video needs to be. Uh, balancing that stuff is really hard. So, what I do is I schedule everything out. I try to be as good as possible about spending time with my girlfriend and spending time with my family and my friends. Um, but really, it's about scheduling and I guess being willing to work all the time sometimes. Every single day, I uh, like when my girlfriend goes to sleep, I go lay down with her and we watch TV until she falls asleep. And then I get up around midnight and I work until 4 a.m. That's seven days a week. Easy. And that's on top of like working during the day and doing press during the day or editing during the day or, you know, writing during the day, whatever it is. And I think that some, if, basically if you want to make it as a creative, you just got to be down to work all the time. I think you can balance your life and like have a good relationship and be there for people that you love and stuff like that. But you got to be willing to say, okay, leisure time outside of that doesn't exist for me because it hasn't for me for, I don't know how long. Uh, I don't have anything I want to do by myself, like read a book or play a video game. Anything that's a sole uh, hobby of mine does not exist in my life. I spend time with my my girlfriend, my family, and my friends, and I make time for those things. But anything that's just for me, I had to kind of cut out for now to stay on top of the workload. How do you sort of prioritize everything, and when do you feel like you have to say no? I'm bad at saying no. <laughs> I'm I'm really really bad at saying no. Um, it's 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 super difficult. I really rarely say no to stuff. I always try to do it. Um, and uh, I guess for prioritizing, it's it's. I really think what happens is the stuff that is paying, the stuff that people are paying for me to do, like video work and stuff like that, that's always going to kind of take priority because we'll usually have deadlines set on it and things like that. Um, and in terms of, uh, yeah, and, and it's, it sucks too because right, right now there's like three videos I want to work on for myself that, you know, I'm not paying myself to do. I'm just, I'm just working on them for myself for the podcast and for the band. And those have really taken a back seat to doing the paid video work that I'm doing for other people, uh, which sucks because I, I want to get that stuff done. I don't want it to fade away. Um, so honestly, I guess it's just deadlines and uh, paid work becomes, you know, they, they kind of jump in the forefront. Um, and uh, outside of that, it's just uh, I, I just basically have like an unlimited time where I where I do work consistently and that kind of stuff just jumps to the front of the list. And I, and in terms of saying no, it's just basically if something doesn't make, if something's not great and it doesn't make financial sense for me to do. So like, you know, we got asked to do a show recently and I knew it was going to be a very small show in front of nobody. We weren't going to get paid. And I was like, Hey, we, I just don't have time to do it. And that was it. Just to wind down this interview, what's something yeah. that, you know, you could extract from your life that anybody listening to this interview could sort of 
transfer to their own life some sort of lesson that uh, that they could uh, you, uh, practically use in their life to sort of make what they're doing. Doesn't matter if they're in a band or some sort, any sort of art form, mm. they could use yeah. to sort of better their existence. Um, I say one of the things you can do, in, no matter what you're trying to do, is uh, kind of is a couple different things I live by. One of them is that in creative work or in you know in a professional set, setting. No means not right now. So if you're like, oh, I want to work for this company. I want to work on this film project. I want to, you know, get an internship here. I want to go to this. If you get rejected, don't take that as a no. Just take that as a this doesn't not right now. Just this doesn't work out for them right now. That's it. Just take it as that and try again whenever it makes sense to try again. So that's a good one. Um, I'd say be per- don't be scared to be persistent and don't be timid. Um, I think that people the reason that we get to do a lot of stuff and that I get to do a lot of stuff, I think is because I'm willing to reach out where other people are not willing to reach out. So, you know, even the way that I started working with the guys from comic book men and impractical jokers is just like, you know, I love their podcast and they rarely did it live in front of an audience and they were doing a live, uh, episode in New York. And so I said, Hey, let me come film your live episode in New York. People would like to see it. They weren't planning on filming it. They didn't want to film it. They had no, it wasn't part of their plan at all. And I just kind of, I probably emailed like seven different people, maybe I think in between four and seven and just continued to follow up and follow up even when they said like, no thanks, but thank you. Um, And they finally were like, yeah, all right, fine. We'll hire you. Come film it. And that became a Blu-ray that we put together and, and it sold out immediately and people loved it. And it started my whole working relationship with them. So don't be scared to ask for stuff that doesn't really make sense. The idea of saying, hey, this job doesn't exist. You aren't planning on paying anyone to film this. Pay me to film it is weird. That's a weird thing to reach out for. Um, but I believed that it made sense. So I just, you know, I wasn't timid and I and I just did that and followed up. And that's how I broke through. And I think that that works in any field for anybody. Um, so that's a big one is uh, reach out even if you don't think it makes sense. And the, the other one is, and I guess this is just simply networking, but if you find people in the field that you want to work in, um, just be friends with them, become friends with them. Even, even if there's not a reason you should work together, even if you're not close by, whatever, find a reason to, to reach out to them, become friends with them, find out what makes them tick, see what's important to them, see if, you know, get these relationships and, uh, what's the word I want to use? cultivate the relationship because you never know what's going to happen down the line and you never know um, who's going to be a great person to work with or who's going to be an awesome person to do a new project with in any way. So that kind of persistence, cultivating relationships, staying on top of things, not being timid and uh, not taking no as a, as a final no, take a no as a not right now. That kind of stuff kind of is like the backbone of the persistence I believe in to getting to the next level for everything. Yeah, great. Awesome advice. I always like to end my interviews with the same question. And that question is, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview for this podcast that would have some great stories or lessons to talk about? Wow. I mean, Kevin Kevin Smith is kind of the most like inspirational uh, creative dude where he's very, very much like everyone can do this. Um, you know, so I would imagine he'd be like the number one best person to talk to in terms of saying like, you know, who can give some good lessons from a, from a very successful standpoint. Um, he'd be awesome. 
Uh, that, that'd be my number one. I'm trying to think. It's funny because like the people I was talking about in terms of dream interviews are kind of the same people that I would, I guess, recommend for this. Mick Foley is pretty awesome too, you know? Um, but I'd say num- my number one answer would be definitely Kevin Smith. He, I think that at some point, a part of the way that he dealt with the world and people is just, uh, very positive and very encouraging. And so he's my number one answer. Oh, great. Great, great. Uh, before we get out of here, where can people go online to get more information about the band and everything else that you're got your feet in? Um, so basically, uh, seniordiscountmusic.com is the website for the band that has everything on it. It has links to the album, but The Best Revenge, uh, all, all the different streaming services, Apple, you know, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, whatever. Um, and uh, the podcast website is chuckandbradpodcast.com. That has new podcasts every week. We do it. We just put up one with Dave from Big D and the Kids Table. It's a great episode. Um, and then socially, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Discount Chuck. And then uh, Facebook.com slash Senior Discount and Facebook.com slash Chuck and Brad Podcast. And that should be everything. And I, we try to make our websites very easy to, to navigate. I'm very proud of the Senior Discount website right now. I made all the artwork and everything. And I'm really disappointed in the in the podcast website right now. It's it's fine. It's just the artwork is outdated. So I want to make it as good as the band website. And I've been working on it, but there's just so much shit to do. There's so much film work to do right now. I feel buried that uh, I got to get on that. I got to get on that. We want to do new Halloween shows. I don't know. I got to get on it. But uh, that's all. The, that's where you can find me. So that was my interview with Chuck Stanton from the band Senior Discount. All the links for where you can check out their music and his podcast are on the show notes for this episode at freshisthepodcast.com. So let's get on to the fresh of the word, fresh pick of the week. This episode's pick is the comic book Elvira, Mistress of the Dark via Dynamite Comics. In this miniseries, writer David Avalone and artist Dave Acosta takes you through the thrills and chills as Elvira gets unstuck from time and is traveling in all sorts of places in our world's history. The first two issues are available now with Elvira crashing Mary Shelley's Monster Weekend in issue number one and visits Edgar Allan Poe in 1838 Philadelphia in issue two. It's definitely a fun read with all the humor you expect from Elvira. So go ahead and pick up Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, from your local comic book store, or you can check it online at dynamite.com. And before we get out of here, I definitely want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foul Mouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, you can always go to freshisthepodcast.com and share any links that you see on the website for any of the episodes and any of your social media platforms. And if you want to subscribe to Fresh of the Word or listen to Fresh of the Word at any time, we're actually on a whole bunch of other platforms now. We are on Spotify now. So just type in Fresh of the Word and it comes up. Hopefully it comes up. It's on Spotify. The, the link will be in the show notes for this podcast and on the website now. But you can also subscribe to Fresh of the Word on Apple Podcasts. Anchor, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Podbean, and Radio Public. We're everywhere now. So hopefully this will help with uh, growing the listenership for Fresh is the Word. So if you, uh, so there's no, there's really, really, really no excuse 
well, you can't, you say, I can't find it. No, it's, it's out there. You can find it everywhere. But if you do want to support it even more, definitely follow us on any of those platforms and leave a rating and review. Uh, if I see any of the ratings review, I'll definitely shout you out on the podcast, please, especially like on Apple podcasts. If you could leave a, leave a, a rating, that would be like awesome. That'd be so super cool. And if you ever want to follow me online, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. And you can follow Fresh is the Word online on Twitter at FITW Podcast, on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. Well, that's another episode in the books. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the world.